reading, which is from Romans 5. I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. May God bless his word and Linda as she comes to share uh, the message with us this morning. going to collect myself a minute. Am I switched on? Great, thank you. Well, I'd just like to welcome you all this morning. Um, as, say, as Rosie said, my name's Linda. I'm not one of the leadership team, but this is my church, and I would just like to extend a warm welcome to anyone who has come here in person or who's watching online. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Some of you might be surprised to see me up in this position. Um, but I have done it before, um, albeit it's in normally in the evening service, so I'm actually looking on this as a promotion. Uh, <laughs> ignore the fact there isn't an evening service, okay? Right, so, uh, you know, but I'm really, really excited to bring you the message that, that for today, and I just want to thank Rosie for reading the, that passage. Yeah, we're looking at Romans uh, verses 3 to 5. Before we come to that, shall we just bow our heads and pray? Lord, we want to thank you for always being with us. We praise your holy name and your word, which we ask you to bless this morning. I place myself in your hands and trust that the message I offer will be yours. The privilege of serving you is always an honor and never a burden. And for your glory, let your name be exalted. Amen. So when I first read this passage, I thought, okay, so what's so good about suffering? Whew, um, not so sure. I know there's an awful lot of people in this church, in our village, in our nation, in our world who suffer and don't know where to turn. You know, I thought, what is this saying? Is it saying that as Christians, we're all meant to be going round, you know, rejoicing when things go wrong? Or perhaps we should be singing praises when someone we know or a loved one is ill or worse, passes away? Is that really what God intended for us? Well, of course it isn't. He never intended that. But as Richard said last week, you know, we had Adam and Eve, and through their actions, 
God's intention was destroyed. Evil was allowed to dwell amongst us. And even though Jesus came to reconcile us back to God, evil hasn't gone away. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything bad that happens comes from the evil one. Okay? I'm just saying that in life, bad things happen. It's how we deal with those bad times that really matters. It's interesting that when I was thinking about this passage and some of the bad things that have happened in my own life, I think I described some of them a bit like this, that I didn't really fully understand what was happening because I was too young. Then I became really afraid afraid of the future because of past memories. And sometimes I've felt that the world has stopped for me and everyone else around me is just carrying on as normal. It's not fair. And then I would think sometimes about the situation I was in, that it's only going to get worse. And then you rely on the so-called experts to know what you should be doing. And then you feel helpless and very alone because the experts don't know what to do. There's a common thread here, and that's fear. Fear can be one of our biggest enemies. Fear tells you that you won't be able to cope. That you're always a failure. And it pushes you further down. Faith, on the other hand, tells you that God will enable you with strength to cope. Patience to endure whatever lies ahead. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Perhaps that's why even though at times it's been tough to see beyond that uncertainty and despair, the pain and the darkness, there's always, always been hope. What Paul is imparting in these verses are skills and knowledge to help us deal with the sufferings in life. Because God didn't say that becoming a believer that you would be exempt from these sufferings. Life can be cruel and very unfair. Paul knew this really well. He experienced stoning, flogging, imprisonment, persecution, starvation, and he nearly died. That's just to name a few. And yet that former Jewish prodigy boasted in these hardships for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. 
I'm just going to say it again. He boasted in these hardships for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. What? Who? But in Philippians um, chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, which we actually looked at a few weeks ago, it says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in, de in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you hear it? Paul realizes that he's been blind, but now he sees God's glory. And he is full to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He is so excited. Be like me, really. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> He's so excited to share what he believes. But more importantly, he knows. He knows this to be true in his own life. And he's compelled to share the highs and the lows with others so that they too can live a fulfilled life. Now, I'd like to ask you how well you know your Bible. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to test you. Brian, you're safe. <laughs> um, what I know is I'm sure many of you know your Bible far better than myself. And I used to really worry about that. I used to think that I wasn't as worthy as those who could quote from the Bible. But then God demonstrated that his love isn't dependent on how much of the Bible I can quote. He loves me for who I am. And he yearns for me to have a deeper relationship with him so that I two will live a fulfilled and prosperous life. And the good news is, God loves to share his love with anyone who is willing to accept Christ's, Christ's invitation. That's good news. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been really blessed to hear from Richard Hodges, and Richard Lawson, so no pressure on me. So I've actually taken some information from another great Richard, thanks to my son Nathan, uh, Richard Skemp, uh, who was one of the major pioneers in maths education. And I'd just like to, you to think about the following. Skemp explains that teaching in maths education is based on learning the rules of a subject to get the right answer. This is known as instrumental understanding. But it doesn't explore the true understanding. You just know how to work out a set pathway. That's how I was taught. Um, when the pathway gets more complicated or something alters it, the student is not equipped to deal with the consequences. 
It's a bit like when you've relied a bit too heavily on your sat-nav, something interferes or you, lo you lose uh, your, 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 your internet or something, and you haven't taken any consideration to any signposts around you, or the, what, the diversion that came in, you end up lost. But there's another way, as Skemp uh, explains. If by looking for, the wa for a wider understanding of a subject, he calls it relational understanding. You have more agility and freedom to take it all apart and put it back together with confidence. And it's great to hear that, in fact, the revised Welsh curriculum um, is actually looking at addressing some of these issues. So they've listened. Now, as with life, some might say that a good Christian is someone who follows the rules and leads a good life. But is that enough? I think that we have to be very careful not to live a life with an instrumental understanding of God. Because God created us with free will. He loves us as individuals and not as clones or copies of the same. God wants us to have a relational understanding of his word and therefore discover more about him. This is what I think Paul is saying in this verse. It's not enough just to know what to do. We need to understand how and what we need to do to fully appreciate what is being said. And finally, get into the verse. So starting in verse 3 with not only so, Paul is saying it's not just that we've received this, this, and this, we've also received this, this, and this. We've been lavished by God with so much more. Paul demonstrates his assurances of Christ's sacrifice because he knows it. He understands it because he's lived it and he's experienced it firsthand. There is no doubt in his mind that despite the hardships he has had, he has survived so that the gospel can be conveyed to others with authenticity. Now, throughout the Bible, God has been tested. So it stands to reason that Christians and the, the faith that they have should also be tested. Just wondering if anybody knows where this statement has come from. Don't worry, don't worry, it's okay. Um, yeah, we're a bunch of, passionate bunch of people from all around the world, is a tagline from one of the most trusted sources of reviewers for products and services, Trustpilot, who have over 120 plus million reviews. Now, according to World Atlas, there is an estimated 2.2 billion Christians in the world. Now, don't you think 
that this could be a good tagline to describe us Christians. And actually, with valued, with valued reviews and tried and tested experience, faith is further valued. We see in 1 Peter verses 6, uh, verses 6 to 7, in this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This definitely sounds like a five-star review. The fact that faith is described as more precious than gold, that has been refined by fire, which is how they used to um, remove the impurities from gold, and that's a direct comparison we see there to the sacrifice of Christ who cleanses our soul. Both men speak passionately, have a deep understanding and integrity. And that gives confidence to those who will listen. Back to the verse. Verse 3. Suffering produces perseverance. Now, perseverance meaning continued effort to, to do or achieve something, even when perhaps it's been difficult or takes a long time, so patience. It's often said that you need perseverance to achieve or reach the end of a long walk, perhaps a run, or maybe an exploration. Or perhaps perseverance and patience when, probably more likely, you've been waiting for your partner to do that job you asked them to do, but they never quite get round to doing it. When you do achieve your goal, the joy you feel is so good. And do you know what? you probably appreciate it even more. In Job, we see a man, someone who you might just say that, you know, yeah, he experienced more than his fair share of suffering. Now, Job was a good person. God had great things planned for him and his family, but it took an awful lot of suffering and perseverance before Job fully understood that God's ways are not ours. The relationship with God is not based purely on following earthly laws and being a good person. We need to trust God with our lives and submit to his ways. Only then will we truly see the glory that is offered. In verse 4, it says, perseverance, character, and character, hope. They're all separate qualities. 
qualities that prepare us. Hope is described as ambition, desire, or a wish for something to happen. When I actually finished my degree, which was a long time ago, in textile design, I had this massive desire that I wanted to teach children in the schools just to produce woven pieces using bits of rubbish, using plants to dye things, and I wanted them to discover a secret, secret world that would ignite something in them. Well, probably a, not, a, no, no, uh, not a bad idea. Um, life took me in a different direction. But that ambition or hope remains, albeit in a different form. Now, Paul appears here to have so much more than hope. James also demonstrates this perseverance that leads to hope in chapter, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds a bit like a training plan to me. God wants us to have a grown-up faith that will sustain us even in the difficult times. The passage continues with, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So it was being poured out. It wasn't dabbed. It wasn't sponged, drip-fed, or trickled, but poured. It was gushed, that's a good word, freely flowed. It had an energy, and we're told that it was aimed into our hearts, our very inner being, our secret place. So it wasn't an accident. It didn't spill. This love is exactly where it was intended, and it wasn't left to chance. It was delivered by the Holy Spirit to ensure that it's tracked, recorded, and signed for. In the Old Testament, we read of the Spirit being poured on certain individuals. But since the day of Pentecost, all who truly believe in Jesus Christ Receive the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. That is how much God loves us. Paul also writes about this awesome gift through faith in Ephesians 3, where he humbly but passionately says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, 
that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are our heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. He follows this up with a beautiful prayer, which I'm sure, wherever it is, many of you will, will recognize. There's a great song by Casting Crowns called Just Be Held. And I would just like to read a few of the, the, the words from that. Hold it all together. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> uh, hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. But it's... Oh, see, I should have done glasses. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're, and when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom in surrender. Lay it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees, an answer seems so far away. You're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. Just be held. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. And not a tear was wasted. In time, you will understand. I'm painting beauty with the ashes. Your life is in my hands. So when you're on your knees, an answer seems so far away. You're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Lift your hands. Lift your eyes. In the storm is where you'll find me. And where you are, I'll hold your heart. I'll hold your heart. Come to me, find your rest in the arms of the God who won't let go. So, to sum up, yes, there is suffering in the world. And often, we won't know why something bad has happened. And do you know what? That's okay. Because God knows. So why do we try even harder to solve a problem when what we should really be doing is holding on and trusting? 
I'm reminded, actually, of words that my daughter, Steph, who I'm lovely to see you this morning, Steph, <laughs> has often said to her dad, Dad, why are you trying to solve a problem when all mum needs is a hug? Or in Wales, a touch. You know, it always helps. A hug always helps. Now, I know that I don't have to have all the answers, even though I can't help trying. Sorry. Because I know, and I, I know because I can trust in the Holy Spirit who can guide me, support me, and give me gifts and words that are clearly not my own. It's so amazing to not have to stand in my own strength because I'm sure by now I would have crumbled. And neither do you. We have a God who wants to be our friend, our confidant, our mentor, and all we have to do is accept his invitation, reach out and meet with the God who stooped down to us, gave us away despite the hardships, and has offered us eternal life in glory. And that, my sisters and brothers, is what's so good about suffering. If you... I do, sorry, I added this. Before I move, I just want to give you one of the words from a great artist casting crowns, and it goes, I'm just, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, I've had a, a oh, you gave me a, a song to sing. I'm living for the world to know about Jesus. We can all do that. If you have any questions today or in the future about your faith and you'd like to talk to someone, please approach one of the leadership team or myself and I'm gladly put you in touch with somebody who's far better qualified than me. Um, but should we just close in prayer?